There's a lot of podcasts and YouTubers out there already tearing apart various forms of media. I myself have been guilty of that. It's already oversaturated with a lot of negativity. So why don't we talk about the movies and music we love instead? This is For the Love of Media. We would like to say things go both ways. New ideas, stupid moves, nightmares, or dreams come true. Mucho work minus play. Tension mounts in a twisted face. Dark clouds in a crystal ball. Tension mounts in a foreign place. The screw turns, someone calls. Time out for fun, do, 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 time out for fun, do, do, do. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm Bosco. I'm Vishesh. And today on For the Love of Media, we are here to talk about what is my all-time favorite album from my all-time favorite band, and that is from 1982, Devo's Oh No, It's Devo! Hey. <laughs> um, so before we get right into talking about it, um, I'll ask you the question we ask at the beginning of every For the Love of Media, and that is, what has been your exposure to Devo, Vishesh, uh, uh, to the band as a whole and to this album? Okay. Well, most, well, I mean, I heard of the band as a whole through you. Mm. Um, I pretty much, uh, I can't remember when I first heard about it, it but, but it was shortly after we became friends. And uh, I always associate their, I hadn't listened to any album of theirs in full, but I always associate their songs with, you know, us, you driving me home from like, from rehearsals for MSTC. (laughs) We'd be, always be blasting Devo in the car and and the, along with the Aquabats and other, other choice uh, musicians. So that uh, definitely sounds like me. I think anybody who's, I've heard it from a lot of people. Anyone who's ever spent a minute in my car has heard Devo blasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's but that's pretty much been my until I've listened to this album in full. That's pretty much been my the bulk of my exposure to the band. All right. Well, I've had some influence on you then over all these years. <laughs> I mean, that's a good way to be exposed. I find when you um, learn different types of arts through friends, there's you form a sort of bond with them, right? Like, like you mm-hmm. said, you always associate Devo with me because yeah. I'm the one who was such a fanatic and was always playing it. So when you think mm-hmm. of Devo, you think of us in the car, me dangerously driving as I dance and sing along <laughs> to, <laughs> to the music. Ah, uh, fun times, fun times. Uh, uh, oh, so before getting into the nitty gritty of the album, I feel that it's important to share a bit of a background to the band, a little bit of their history, because I feel mm-hmm. this band in particular, that context is very important to understanding this album, um, because this is the fifth album in their official discography. Uh, so obviously they've had quite a bit of history before getting to this album. So mm-hmm. Devo is formed by five musicians uh the two main uh like the front men of the band are jerry casale who plays the bass 
and Mark Mothersbaugh, who does keys and vocals. Uh, Jerry also does vocals occasionally. Uh, they are two sets of brothers. So Jerry's brother, uh, Bob Casale, uh, did rhythm guitar and other various, um, you know, like synths and stuff for the band. And Mark's brother, Bob Mothersbaugh, who became the lead guitarist of the band. And one non-brother named Alan Myers, who is the drummer of the band. Uh, throughout the years, obviously, the drummer uh, had changed. Uh, Alan Myers left the band after their sixth studio album and was replaced by David Kendricks, and uh, who famously was the uh, drummer for Sparks. Uh, I use the word famously very loosely because not a lot of people know the band Sparks very well. <laughs> and eventually being replaced by Josh Fries, who was a session musician, uh, played for the Nine Inch Nails and all sorts of other bands. Um, but Alan Myers, Mark Mothersbaugh, Jerry Casale, Bob Casale, uh, Bob Mothersbaugh, also known as Bob One and Bob Two, were the original lineup of the band, the most famous lineup of the band, and the favorite lineup of the band. Uh, this this is like the this is the Devo at its core. Now Devo started back when Jerry Casale, Mark Mothersbaugh, all of them are from Akron, Ohio, and in the seventies they went to Kent State in Ohio. Uh, that's uh, where Mark and Jerry met. Mark was an art student and Jerry would notice all these weird sort of art projects being posted all over the campus. And he was like, what, who the hell is making this weird shit? Like, I'd love to meet this guy. Uh, and they met and they found they had very similar views on the world, along with another guy called Bob Lewis. They discovered a book called The Beginning Was the End, Knowledge Can Be Eaten, uh, which basically held that mankind had evolved from mutant brain eating apes. And together they formed this new sort of exploration of the world, this philosophy, which would eventually become the crux of the band, which was de-evolution, hence where the name Devo came from. And the idea was that humans as a species, instead of evolving, we were actually devolving, you know, regressing uh, as a species, uh, becoming, you know, more rigid and dichotomized and repressed. And we are like clones. Uh, you had this idea of collectivism and conformity, and we were just becoming pieces in a machine, something they would adapt to a band when they would play live. They were like pieces in a machine. They played very robotically. Uh, they all, even their music kind of adapted this idea that like very jerky style, uh, very uh, like all the synthesizers, you know, which are very machine-like. Uh, but at first it started sort of as a bit of a joke and it was like an art, a Dadaist art movement that they were, that they were doing. Uh, the idea was that there was art deco. So why not art Devo? Like that was the whole joke that they had started uh, until the famous shooting that happened in Kent state where a peaceful rally was happening. And Jerry Casale, who was a hippie at that time was part of the peaceful movement and the cops opened fired on them and four people died and like three out of the four were not even part of the uh, the rally. They were just people going to their cars and stuff. And some of them were good friends of his. And it was at this moment that the idea of de-evolution really like it went from being a sort of funny data joke to no, this is real. This is 100% something that's happening in American society. And together as a band, they were let, and they always consider themselves this. They are not better than everyone else. They are merely messengers of uh, this philosophy. They are very much devolved as everyone else. They're just 
spreading the word to make everyone more aware of it. So it was at this moment that it really fell into place, you know, like, and the cogs kind of stuck together and uh, Jerry Casale completely left behind his hippie side and now became this, you know, he became Devo. Um, And they, at first Devo started more as a multimedia thing. Like, so the art Devo thing, it wasn't just music. There was art and film and they were make they were basically going every media they could just music ended up being the most successful medium that reached the most amount of people so that's why they focused on being a band so when they started off as a band originally alan myers who wasn't part of it uh mark's brother jim joined uh, to do drums and he created his own electronic drums this is a big part of devo too they were very um they revolutionized a lot of synthesizer work uh creating their own synth sounds their own synthesizers uh mark mother's bow would even use like toys and objects like toasters to to get synth sounds like this is this is what they're working with like all this machinery to create these soundscapes um to add to their sound of what would devolved music sound like uh, they would also adapt costumes where they would all dress uniformly in the same exact costume every album a new costume would emerge uh, but the idea was you know adding to the whole conformity thing where they are all basically just becoming you know loss of individualism and all becoming clones in society just doing their jobs robotically um which as I said before, they also adapted to their style of playing on stage, uh, which it was a whole thing. They had everything was they, every song had a way of playing like they had their own choreography to it. And it, it was a very big part. Like it wasn't just, oh, we're going up, we're playing music. It was it was an art. It was a piece of art that they were showing. So they started to play at clubs. They would lie about the fact that uh, <laughs> they were they would say they were a cover band for like uh the steve miller band just to get shows but then when they would go they would do like two covers and then burst out into their own songs and like five songs in people would be like wait a minute that's not a steve miller so what's going on and they became notorious for pissing people off because of this there's a famous uh concert they did uh where they opened for sun Ra, which sun Ra is a jazz musician what a weird choice for an opening band uh to have like devo at a sun raw concert uh, where they pissed off the audience so much. Uh, they bur- One of their most famous songs, Jocko Homo, which has a call and response with the audience. They burst out into a 30-minute version of Jocko Homo, and the audience members got so pissed off that the sound engineer actually went up and unplugged their music <laughs> so that they would stop playing, and they asked them to get off the stage. And they had another famous show that they always considered their best show where throughout the entire show, angry audience members were throwing beer bottles at them, but because the stage was so high, it never actually reached them. But just this visual of people throwing garbage, just trying to harm them in every way because they hated them was a highlight for them. Uh, through all these shows, they garnered attention and uh, they had an underground following of other people, just like me, just like you, who started, who saw what they were doing and understood it and kind of believed in the whole idea of de-evolution too. And they garnered two very famous fans, which were Iggy Pop and David Bowie, who fell in love with Devo. Uh, Devo would even stay at Iggy Pop's house for like long periods of time. They were living with him. Uh, David Bowie, who was such a fan, 
got them a record contract and wanted to produce their first album. But since he was incapable of doing it, he got his friend Brian Eno to do it. So Devo, we were very lucky. They had all these like big, famous music people helping them out who are really interested in them. Devo's first album, Are We Not Men? We Are Devo, comes out. It's an underground hit, although it did get some criticism from people who didn't understand what they were doing. Uh, and they were called fascists. But in reality, they, you know, were trying to further represent this idea of working clones and conformity, uh, which they adapted even more over time. Uh, like the whole idea was dramatizing emotional repression and dehumanization in order to attack them, not to pay tribute to them, which a lot of critics didn't understand because, you know, satire goes over the head of so many people. Right. Uh, uh, so that became a big like it was very successful, garnered a lot of critical acclaim. They did their second album, Duty Now for the Future. Uh, and eventually they got their big hit with Whip It on their third album, Freedom of Choice, uh, where synthesizers started to take the forefront a little bit more. Uh, Jerry Casale dropped his bass and started playing bass on a synthesizer. And this is where Devo sound really started to come to be because before it was very herky jerky guitar sounds, but now synthesizers were becoming the main instrument but because of their newfound popularity they found there was a lot of people coming to concerts who didn't get what diva were doing and were all like hey play whip it play whip it so in their next album they took a completely opposite stance this was new traditionalists uh where they took a much darker approach and even opened their album with a song called through being cool which was basically a big middle finger to all these fake fans uh because they're like we're through being cool you know it's a we're not about becoming popular we're like actually trying to do something important now we got all these fake fans who think they love us but they don't really care all they want is whip it well fuck you you know uh so devo garnered a lot of criticism uh they were called fascists they were called clowns uh so that comes to 1982's oh no it's devo where they were like well what would an album by fascist clowns sound like and that's where we are today. Oh, no, it's Devo. Wow. Yeah. You know, actually hearing more about hearing more about the band's philosophy and how it came to be actually kind of helps me to to orient myself in understanding the, the music itself, because, you know, you talk about satire going over the heads of so many people. Yeah. And I think that music is music just a very strange place for irony because it affects you like it affects you on such a primordial level yeah that uh that it's it's it, it almost creates listening to their songs almost creates kind of a double a sense of double consciousness because on the one hand you're like you're listening to this really catchy song and mm. the beats are that the, the rhythm and the beat is really kind of you know moving you in a certain way but you're you're also hearing these really <laughs> these really dark biting uh ironic satirical lyrics that kind of created a, a, a that created a very strange effect because you're 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 trying to hear what they have to say but you're also kind of being moved by um you're also being moved by the rhythm of it so yeah it's it's but hearing the hearing their philosophy kind of helps me to to see what they're actually trying to do with several of their songs um because it's a bit like I think it's I was trying to figure out who I would who what I would compare the experience of listening to Debo to. It's a bit like reading a Thomas Pinchon novel because hmm. at times you're you're not really sure 
if you're in on the you're supposed to be in on the joke or if you're supposed to be the butt of the joke. So it's, and, it's um it's funny yeah. you bring up Thomas Pin. Is it Pinchon? Pinchon, yeah. <laughs> I've been saying Pinchon this whole time. Um, it's funny you bring up Thomas Pinchon because their most famous song Whip It is heavily inspired from Thomas Pinchon's Gravity's Rainbow. Like they uh, were reading it and <clears throat> were very heavily inspired about it because everyone sort of uh, dismisses Whip It as this kind of silly song. But in reality, it was supposed to be the satirical take on Reaganism where every time the country was faced with a problem, like, the, you know, that sort of fake, like can do attitude, like, Hey, we yeah, don't have no problems. Yeah. We can do it. Like that's basically what whip it was. If Regan, like a sort of Regan, like call line of like, Hey, we got a problem. Just whip it. You know, <laughs> it, that's essentially what it was. And like I said, heavily. So it's cool that you made that connection without me saying anything because they were definitely very heavily inspired by Thomas Pichon. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And people, what's even funnier is that people actually thought that song was about sadomasochism. Oh, I guess yeah. because whips were involved. Well, you hear something like, oh, you must whip it, whip it, whip it. Like, obviously, and people are stupid, right? Like, yeah, that's the first thing they go to, which didn't help because Devo... The, the music video for whip it is essentially them whipping a lady's clothes off at a dude ranch. Right. Wow. Um, but that was the joke. They did it. The, the popularity of whip it came after it was released uh, and they didn't make a music video right away. So the music video was heavily inspired by everyone's ideas of what whip it was about. So that was them just being like, well, people think it's about that. Let's uh, let's do a music video on that. Like, uh, why not troll our audience? Oh yeah, which they were. Think, mate? Yeah, they were very good at doing that. You know. Uh yeah, that seems like their whole thing. You think maybe? Do you think maybe for the music video they would have been? Uh, they would have taken some inspiration from uh, John Waters' magnum opus Pink Flamingos. <sighs> no. <laughs> no <laughs> you just had to of course i mean we brought up i know, had to you know, man, uh, i had to we brought it up in every episode now. which is funny because there's no to my memory there's no bdsm in <laughs> pink flamingos shockingly like the one thing they don't have you know wow. <laughs> it, it has incestual blowjobs but no bdsm go figure lovely i know delightful um, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, back to what you're saying. That's something I love about Devo too. That sort of juxtaposition of this like fun, poppy kind of sound that makes you dance. But when you stop to really listen to what they're saying, it's kind of like, wait, hold up a second. And yeah. they, they do it so well. They blend the two of it. And musically, that was very much what they were thinking. They're like, what's the most devolved type of music there could be? And that's what they were trying to make. And it's funny how, and you see it, especially with this one, they were way ahead of their time in predicting the future of music, like the commercialization of music, how overprocessed, like produced it became and the use of the synthesizers mm. and all that stuff. Like modern music kind of sounds like this poppy, you know, dancey kind of, yeah. feel, you know, like, and when I'm it talking, all, about, I'm talking it, about the popular stuff, not the underground stuff. Yeah. It all, it all sounds the same, you know, mass produced to, you know, be the easy, be really easy on the ears and not challenging in any way to your yeah. your thought or your anything. It's just, yeah. That's a, yeah. Cause that's essentially what they're doing. Like sound wise, 
they're predicting the trends and being like, okay, what does the, like, what would that music be sound like? But then lyrically, that's where they were spreading their message. So, Mm -hmm. and uh, they, their satire is very much becoming the thing that you're satirizing to, Mm -hmm. to, to make fun of it. Right. Yeah. The whole idea of, all of them dressing uniformly to to satirize the idea of conformity. You know, yeah. that was a big part of it. Um, they also had characters. Uh, one famous character is Boogie Boy, who it's Mark Mothersbaugh in this like chi- baby mask. And Boogie Boy was supposed to represent infantile regression. Uh, this, huh. this very innocent kind of like adult babies that people have become you know and he mm-hmm. pops up uh he famous now he famously pops up to sing beautiful world um <laughs> when they perform which feels like it makes sense right because beautiful world is probably their most sarcastic song that they have <laughs> mm-hmm. and that sense of irony plays very well when you have a character like boogie boy who represents infantile regression thinking about how beautiful the world is but in reality it's not for you yep yeah and it's it's funny a lot of their songs kind of have like i i think i i mean like all great artists you can kind of take what you can kind of take your own message from each one but i think for me like what, uh, listening to peekaboo that song oh, yeah. is actually downright scary because i think it predicted it predicted the rise of social media in so many ways and yeah. you know mass surveillance having ads targeted to you based on things that you click on and right you know just feeling like you're 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 just the complete and total loss of privacy yeah uh i think they predicted that very accurately in that song which is why it's so unsettling right uh since since you brought it up why don't we start going uh song by song yeah this would be a perfect time so first song off the album is time out for fun that's the one i sang (laughs) at the beginning of the cast uh this what a way to start an album i always love like I, every time I put on this album to play, this song just kicks right into gear and I'm dancing my ass off. It's a very strong opener. Yeah. Oh, you feel it right away. Yeah. <laughs> they, they set up the tone musically. They're like, this is what you're getting. This, Especially like the whole like, like that oscillating sort of feel like appears throughout this album. And um, the drum machine beats that just like kick in. And obviously I find the satire on this one is maybe not as strong as the rest because it's more a little more on the nose. Like, you know, how as a society, we're stressing ourselves out to the point that we're like, you need to take some time off kind of thing mm-hmm. uh and there, yeah. and i love it too because it, it plays into like the fascist quality uh that they were going for where the devo literally starts off like hello this is devo and we're telling you like like already like we're telling you to do this so listen to us yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is it's great like right off the bat like, i've heard people complain how like well when a band has to introduce themselves at the beginning of an album you know it's not going to be great i'm like but that's the point they're literally coming in being like okay like we're the dictators now you're listening to our message and yeah. it's like fascist clowns that, that, and we're te- and as dictators we're telling you to go off and have fun like <laughs> yeah what kind of dictator does that a very like lenient one obviously no kidding a very yeah and i i, I love that beat that kicks in when it's like time out for fun it's like boom 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 it's so great it's mm-hmm. every time i hear it i'm just i i have to do like the drum motion because it's so fun uh and there's some great lyrics in here too i mean just like so you're living under the gun 
circumstances have you on the run. A doctor frowns, you feel bad. Take this. You've just been had. You know, it's like there's such it's so out of all the songs here. It's one of the more simplistic ones. But just lyrics like that is what really makes makes it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very like it's simple, but it's 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 there's a you know, it reminds me of um, there's a thing that Fred Rogers said that it's always better to be deep and simple rather than shallow and complex. I think Devo always, they seem to always go for deep and simple and it always works. Yeah. I never heard that one before, but that makes total (laughs) sense. I would definitely call Devo deep and simple. Like it's, they're not in what they're saying. It's, it is pretty profound, but at the same time they're saying it in a way that's not profound because so it's easier to catch on. But (laughs) then again, you know, people dismiss them as a novelty band all the time because of their costumes because of the way the music sounds like i actually had i showed someone freedom of choice once and they're like eh, i don't like music that's generic sounding and i'm like what the fuck like and freedom of choice is like one of their greatest songs you yeah. know and lyrically too which it's so poignant for today's society like freedom of choice is what you've got but freedom from choice is what you want which mm-hmm. buys into the whole idea of because they were basically satirizing how there's so many stupid arguments like Coke versus Pepsi, you know, or I think I brought it up to, you know, like, oh, should pineapple be on pizza? Yes or no? And yeah. It's like, these are such stupid arguments. Like just pick one. Who cares? What is, what is with the hate for pineapple on pizza? I don't understand I don't it. For me, it's not the hate that I'm bothered by. It's more the hate is so deep stupid yeah the the hate is so deep that when you bring up pineapple on pizza they feel the need to be like oh my god what the fuck you eat pineapple oh my god who does that Ah!" like fucking jesus christ you don't like them you don't like the beatles what's wrong with you yeah it's so stupid like you eat pineapple on pizza you uncultured fine pineapple doesn't go on pizza Ah!" fucking relax who gives a shit (laughs) oh my god Anyways, yeah, I, freedom of choice is great. And when someone said it sounds generic, I'm like, okay, buddy. Like, <laughs> how much music? How much music have you listened to? Well, there. That that's the funny part. Like they studied music. Um, wow. But they were into those very indie, like hipster bands. Let's uh, talk about generic okay. music. <laughs> like. Um, Anyways, I digress. Uh, opening song is absolutely wonderful. It's a ton of fun. <laughs> Time out for fun. Um, and yeah, it's. I think it's such a great way to set up the tone of the entire album. Um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go into the one you were just talking about. Peekaboo. Yeah. I can see you. So put your hands on your face. And cover up your eyes. Don't look until I signal. Peekaboo. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, every time that laugh kicks in, it's so great. Ah, uh, ah, 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 ah. Uh, and he brings it back too later on. <laughs> oh, yeah, which we'll talk about that one. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm excited about it. Anyway, <laughs> it's so, it's funny because like, um, I've had ex girlfriends that I, I, I'm obviously showing them Devo. You know, Devo is a big part of my life. Yeah. And one of them, couldn't listen to this song because they found the laughter terrifying <laughs> and let's be honest it's pretty menacing it's yeah, a it's, pretty menacing it's laugh. a creepy laugh uh, 
what I love about this song too, and you started getting into it before, like how it predicted that sort of the social media and like we're being mm. watched and stuff. But there's another aspect that I find really interesting about Peekaboo is how it combines the very childish, you know, game of Peekaboo, mm. but they they mention the philosophy of Plato's Cave with it. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I the old, and it's so funny. Uh, I only realized that when I was in uh, in university and we were talking about Plato's Cave, and then I was listening to the lyrics. And um, when the lyrics came up, uh, the part where they're like, laugh if you want to, or say you don't care. If you cannot see it, you think it's not there. It doesn't work that way. Like when I heard those lyrics, I was like, holy crap, that's that that's the philosophy of Plato's Cave. And if for anyone who doesn't know who's listening, Plato's Cave is basically the idea of uh, your re- you only know your reality is basically only what you see and what you know. That's like the very basic explanation of it. Yeah. Um, and I feel Peekaboo really brings up that I- philosophy of our, we we like to blind ourselves to our own reality, right? And it's like the game of peekaboo where babies, they don't have object permanent. So when you cover your eyes, the baby's like, oh, where'd you go? You know, and it's like, peekaboo. Ah! Uh, so I just think it's so fascinating how this idea of we only experience the realities of what we, you know, of like the world that we experience in our immediate circle that, you know, just like the game of peekaboo, we don't realize that how much more is out there. Mm. Yeah, it's true. We, we tend to lose sight of what's, we tend to lose sight of the larger picture by only focusing what's up on what's in front of us. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's about as truthful as you can get. Yeah. And then it just makes the parts where he's like, put your hands on your face and cover up your eyes just makes it a little more poignant, you know, when you like think of it in that way, because that's basically what a lot of us do. Like when the harsh realities hit, right. People like to bury their head in the sand, you know, God, no. I, I'm not looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a very human thing really. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, no, it's covered very well in this song. And there's a, a oh man, I, I don't know if this is a true story, but I heard a really fun fact about this song. So apparently um, some lady who she was very, very high on shrooms and she was in a very depressive state where she was actually ready to like um, kill herself. Like she was in a oh, very boy. suicidal state. And it, while she was high on shrooms in this state, uh, she was watching MTV and the music video for Peekaboo came on. And uh, I don't know if you took a chance to see the music video, but like it has the part with the fucking clown and everything. It's like Peekaboo and like Mark Mothersbaugh was like really like super close up and it, fucking terrified her to the point because he's like peekaboo i could see you and she's like oh my god what am i doing like and it basically got her to not do it wow because she was so the whole like it's like oh my god like i'm being watched kind of thing you know wow that's uh like i said i don't know if this is true i don't know if this is true so don't take my word on this but i heard the story and i was like whoa holy crap yeah it's a story you wish were true it's funny you hear all these stories about like your your art changed my life your music changed my life i was gonna you know i was gonna end it all but then i heard your song or read your book or whatever and it and it made me decide to keep going and meanwhile this person who was high off her ass you know yeah. 
is scared into staying alive. Like, yeah, I, I just, I found that. Yeah. I like, I like what you're saying there because a lot of people are like, I was in a low state, but then I got high and listened to Pink Floyd's uh, dark side of the moon. And I was like, oh, wow, the world is amazing and all that. And then there's this lady who's like, holy fuck, I'm terrified. Okay. I'm not doing it. Ah! <laughs> like just scared shitless. <laughs> oh. That's how you do it. That's how you change people's lives is you scare the fuck out of them. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> absolutely. And I other things I love about this song, I just the instrumentation in the song is just so great when it kicks into the like that. It's it's so good. Yeah, it's it's very it's also very catchy and it keep that has a drive to it that it keeps you really keeps you invested. Yeah. Yeah. I there's something interesting about this first half of the album where there's a very upbeat, even though a song like Peekaboo is kind of horrifying in a lot of ways, there's this very upbeat feel to it compared to when you start hitting the second half, which feels yeah. very kind of, it, 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 gets, it gets surprisingly really dark in the second half of this album. Yeah, it gets, yeah, it gets a lot more serious and like, well, I mean, one of the songs is based on, you know, the poetry written by, yeah. quote unquote, poetry written by an actual killer. Yeah, but, uh, we'll uh, which get we'll that. get to. <laughs> Um, so the next song uh, that appears is their song Out of Sync. Uh, She's, out of sync. She's out of sync and everyone around her know that something is wrong. That's so great. She's yeah. out of sync. She's a half step behind. She's out of luck. Her body split from her mind. She's out of orbit. She'll never connect. She'll run out of time before she accepts. She's out of sync. This is such an underrated Devo song. It's yeah. No one, people don't really talk about it much. They did perform it live um, during that tour, but haven't performed it like since that tour. And I wish they would. It's, it's such a great, it's not only fun. I just think it's great. This is honestly one of my favorite songs off the album. Yeah. It's, I like how it, I think what I like most about the song is how it escalates lyrically. Yes. At first you think it's about, it's about someone who like, you know, is feeling out of place because she doesn't know how to, she's just different from everyone else. And she doesn't know how to fit in and conform into society. And then it's, and then it changes to like, she's out of luck. Her body split from her mind. She's out of orbit. I'm like, what is she like, did she just enter through a portal to another dimension? Is she floating (laughs) through space? What is going on? Yeah. Am I high on shrooms? (laughs) (laughs) There's oh boy. You high on shrooms, dude. Oh my God. God, that that I, would be an interesting. I, I feel you high on shrooms. It would just be two hours of nonstop philosophy. Yeah, going on. <laughs> like you've unlocked the key to the world. Yeah, philosoph- philosophizing while shoving food in my mouth. Yeah, that's that's Vishesh right there. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it, and yeah, you're absolutely right. The whole escalation of this, where it starts off like, oh, it's somebody who's just different and as it escalates, you realize it's not just somebody who's different. This is somebody who's completely out of touch with reality. Uh, And I love how it could be interpreted in so many different ways. Like, oh, it's just somebody who's on the fringes of society. Oh, it's somebody who's completely out of touch with society. Oh, it's somebody who's just completely disassociated from reality completely that they're just a walking mirage, as they say, you know? Mm. Which haven't we all felt like that? in some capacity in some way we've all we've all had our moments of like feeling 
like an outcast, right? Yeah. Although I feel like this is to an even more extreme. <laughs> and yeah. going back to the lyrics, this is such a strong song lyrically. Every every time I listen, like uh, especially supported by the instrumentation, you know, I always get this like feeling deep in my core when I hear the lyrics and the music put together especially when it's the chorus you know um there there's a moment where it's like she's out of focus she's a warp in time she's discontinued a break from the line it's like that's such a good line it's so good i i don't even know how to explain why it's good it's just good yeah yeah it's just uh yeah another very uh another very strong song very weird very catchy very uh very surreal. This one is probably yeah, the most surreal. For sure. And it, it's just, it, in, in this case, it's it's one of those things where it's like, as dark as the lyrics are, they're sung in a way that they don't feel very dark. So there's this, this just this feeling of weird, like a weird foreboding sense of like, it, it, it's almost interesting how, as much as they're talking about this person who's out of sync, there there's, I, it's hard to tell if they're talking about it in a way that's like dangerous or in a way of like, well, this is just the reality of it, you know? Yeah. I wonder too, because then they say things like, uh, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, they say things like there's a distance to keep. She's out of sync, totally committed to living in a dark age, yeah. constantly undoing what's already been done. So you get the feeling that this is whatever state this person in is probably not a good state to be in. Yeah, because they're actually, you know, they're actually they're devolving, they're regressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's very much just somebody who's out of touch with modern society or just mm-hmm. out of touch with the reality that's around them. Hence why there's a distance to keep. But especially if it's somebody who's not buying into the idea of conformity and mm. just being a cog in like the societal machine, it, that's that makes the line, you know, like. Uh, she's a she's a break in the line make more sense a bit because Mm. it's it's almost as if like she's undoing the fabric of society you know like oh she's not she's not she's a piece of the machine that's not working properly and it's just screwing everything up hence why she's out of sync with the rest of us Mm -hmm. yeah no that that makes a lot of sense it's so funny because half of what i'm saying i'm just like it's just coming to me now and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is more profound than I always thought it to be. <laughs> hmm. it's, it's, it's funny how that happens, right? When you start talking about something and then all the ideas start, and you're like, wait a minute, hold on. Well, that's the great thing about, that's the great thing about great art. You can always find something new, even when you've, list, you've listened to or read or seen something a hundred thousand yeah. times. Um, and then we go into what's an incredibly exciting song called Explosions. Which, boy, oh boy, I, okay, so something I love about this is how Alan Myers, the drummer, is just going nuts. Like, it's, of what I understand, it's a 16 beat, like, which is, like, faster than the Whippet beat. And if you watch him, they've performed the song live only once, which was on the video I sent you. And he's fucking wailing away on those drums, man. He is just going nutso <laughs> and that's something i actually want to bring up about alan myers too because they he's a so out of all of them he was probably the most proficient musician he was uh 
he's a jazz trained um, drummer mm. and he brought that very mechanical feel to the band because of the drum beats that he would do. Like they would do like marching band drum beats or uh, just the beats he would do like really added to it. And he, they would to add to all this too. They used to call him the human metronome because he could change uh, beats per minute, like the BPM, just like that. Like you would tell him do this one and he could change it with no problem. Uh, So it's, 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 it's really crazy. Like just how good of a drummer he was and how underrated of, because no one ever talks about him. No one ever talks about this drummer. And yet there's so many drummers out there who cite him as a big influence on their drumming. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and hashtag more love for Alan Myers. Yeah. <laughs> right up, right up there with, uh, who are the great drummers? Neil, well, I guess, but, but Neil Peart, Keith yeah. Moon, all those guys. <laughs> and that's the thing. They were very different drummers. Like they all had their own styles and, Alan Myers had his own style, which, like I said, the the very mechanic robotic drumming that added to the Devo aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And like that drumming was such an important part of the music. Like, take the drumming out, it wouldn't be the same. You would no. not have the same music. <laughs> no, it would really be uh yeah, it, it really drives the whole thing, doesn't it? You know, yeah, the drums and the synthesizers. Uh, so what I like about explosions, we, oh, wait, we, we didn't, we should probably sing a bit of it, which goes like, we like explosions that leave you feeling good. We like ideas that change the world for good. There's nothing past the stop and go. There's nothing but the ebb and flow. There's nothing like some in and out. There's nothing more than what you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love those chants. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Those are fun. Yeah, every it's, time I love it. Every time Bob Casale gets a chance to sing, he just brings in his deep voice, like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's great. Oh my god. And there's yeah, I can I can sense there's the sort of um you know, because they've had, this is their fifth album, right? They've had time yeah. to build up a fan base and have all kinds of diverse reactions to their work. So yeah. I think with, with this song, I can sort of sense that they're they're trying to, like, explain their aesthetic a little bit to the people who don't really get it. Right. Like, you know, when there's nothing past the stop and go, there's nothing past the end and flow. I feel like they're kind of ironically echoing the people who say, like, well, they're all style and no substance. Or yeah. that guy who said, you know, that they sounded generic, like that's um, and they're like, no, we're actually we like ideas that change the world for good. We're actually trying to deliver mm. something of uh, uh, something of a substantial message here. I can't speak today. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's ba- that's that's kind of what I got what I what I got from this song. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, their line, uh, we like new places that jets can take you to. We do like music when it does what it should do, like adds mm-hmm. to what you're basically saying. Right. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's especially the expectations people have. Right. Mm-hmm. We like yeah. explosions, uh, but only when they're the kind that we like, you know, that do what we want them to do basically. And, you know, Devo did get a, like they're, they get a, they got a lot of pushback because they kept mm. changing their style. And uh, it, from their first album to this album, 
it, they're, they're very different sounds in each one as the synthesizers got to the forefront, you know? So, and especially mm. by this time, people were kind of like, they, they were missing the old guitar days, right? <laughs> they had, yeah. and it, it's definitely a good critique about all that, how, you know, people just want the, the big flashiness. Yeah. And, like you were saying, no style, no all, all substance, right? Uh, no, sorry, wait. All style, no substance. Yeah. I reversed it by accident. <laughs> no style, but all the course, substance. The course of true love didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. <laughs> it just didn't matter. Classic. Yeah. Uh, wait, and it's kind of funny because on the surface, this song uh, sounds like one of their, because uh, Devo, a big topic they talk about in a lot of their songs is love and sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, because part of being a de-evolved human uh, being a monkey man, so to say, is we all fall to our animalistic urges and love mm-hmm. and sex are, well, I mean, sex is one of the most basic instincts humans have for reproduction and mm-hmm. love leaves us stupid, right? So yeah. uh, at first, this does kind of sound like a song about sex, like explosions being orgasms, right? <laughs> we like explosions that leave you feeling good, you know? Like, yeah. So it's, and especially when they use lines like stop and go, ebb and flow in and out, you know? Yeah, there's, uh, there's some definite innuendo going on there. Yeah. And I, it, that's something I like about Devo's songs too, where there is that ambiguity if they're talking about love and sex or if they're talking about something else. Uh, they, there's one of their songs from New Traditionalists I love called Race of Doom. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's at first... It could be, I I see it as being interpreted two ways. Uh, The obvious one is that it's a comment on the arms race, right? Mm, How every, because it was during, it was, you know, during the early eighties when nuclear weapon, like the, that the cold war was like really in full force, Reaganism and nuclear weapons. And it was this whole race to be like, who can have the biggest and baddest weapons. And they treated it like race of doom. It was the race of doom. Like, when are we going to get to the point that, uh, you know, everything's just going to explode, right? Because we mm-hmm. hit the maximum capacity of what we're building. Yeah, and very, treat- very Doctor Strange love. Yeah, yeah, and they they treat it. And what's great about that song too is that they treat it like a game show. Like it's almost like you know how like Wheel of Fortune. It's like Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, and, like, and that's how it starts. It's like race of. Doom, which the, I love when Devo does stuff like that, where they're mixing these pop culture ideals, but with like very serious things, kind of like how with Peekaboo, mm. they mixed a very childish game, but with a very, you know, profound philosophy of life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to further emphasize what they're trying to say. And so there's always that aspect of Race of Doom that it sounded like it was a critique on the arms race, but treating it like a game show because that's essentially what it was being treated like. But mm-hmm. I always liked the idea that Race of Doom was about a relationship on the brink of exploding. Uh, mm. It's because there's a lot of references to love, like, you know, uh, let me be your time bomb. I want to be your time bomb, baby. You know, yeah. Uh, and it always made me think of like somebody in a relationship who's being who's who's on the brink of just snapping because it's a very toxic relationship that he's in. Mm-hmm. So I love that 
ambiguity that they have in a lot of their songs like explosions where it could easily be them once again exploring the very primal instinct of sex or like you said it's the exploration of the music industry and how everybody wants uh, the flashiness of it all but the minute it starts to get a relatively intelligent they run away they're like oh, i don't want to think <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not open to new ways of experimentation i yeah. it, i have to give them credit like they don't how they're not really tied to any like i know they're associated with with very firmly with new wave but I, I have to give them credit for not being tied down to any particular sort of like musical genre or form of instrument. They yeah. just kind of go with whatever serves their message. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing that like that was their whole idea. Right. They were predicting trends and mm. predicting the future music. Uh, if you even look deeper, uh, all their albums would come with uh, uh, like the 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 inside sleeve, the inner sleeve. Yeah, uh, was basically products that you can order, like Devo products that you can actually huh. like order from. You can order the the Energy Dome hat. You can order their, the the costumes they wore. There were pins and stickers and badges and all kinds of things. And like Devo was basically treating themselves like they were a brand. And huh. you look at today's modern mutant, not just modern music, modern art, and artists are very much brands now. They're not yeah. artists. They're not people like making art now they're brands it's all about the name of the artist and mm. what they could do because now you see when uh, an artist makes a song but if it's like feet famous artist like people will listen to it purely on the name alone right mm. so they were yeah. very ahead of the time in terms of predicting this commercialization of artists and turning them into brand names basically mm. and yeah on that what i love about devo too is that they're not hypocrites they're very <laughs> like they critique it while being a part of it. Right. Like there's that yeah. satire element <clears throat> and they've said it themselves. They're like, as horribly de evolved as it is, it's unfortunately a necessity. Yeah. And that's why we do it. That's why we're very much a part of it. You know, that's why we brand ourselves. That's why we're doing all these things that we think are stupid because it's a necessity. Like you want to be successful. That's what you have to do. <laughs> so, yeah. and and I, yeah, and they always, always, always say that they're just messengers, uh, but they were all spuds, you know, they, <laughs> there's the big thing where at their concerts, they're always like, we're all Devo, you know, it, it's not like pointing the fingers. I like, look at those Devo people. No, it's very much all of us are de-evolved. Like we're all in this together. We're all cogs in the machine. And since I mentioned it, um, so like the potato imagery, uh, that they have, uh, which is very like a big part of this album's cover. Uh, so the idea of the potatoes came about like in the beginning of the creation of the band, how all of us are spuds. Uh, potatoes yeah. are bare, basically the idea is that they're these, they lack individuality and they're just these lumpy, imperfect things. And that's what humans are. We're like potatoes. And they use the term spud. Uh, like communists used to use the term comrade. So we're all spuds, right. you know, like, like, Hey, my fellow spuds, you know? Uh, so that that's, that's where the potato imagery comes from. Was that where you got the, uh, was that where you got the inspiration for Sputterman? Um, I don't know. No, 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 actually I didn't. I, the inspiration for Sputterman came when I was trying to tell someone uh, Spider-Man and I accidentally made a typo and it came out Sputterman. <laughs> One of my famous typos. And then the person replied back, you mean stutter, man. 
like stud, you know? Nice. Uh, so, <laughs> and then I was like, Spider-Man, that's a funny idea. So no, I don't think uh, it came from this, but you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it was a very subconscious influence. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I would be surprised. Uh, okay, moving on. Next song. Uh, so the next song on the album, uh, That's Good, which goes a little something like, everybody, it's a good thing. Everybody wants a good thing. Everybody, ain't it true that everybody's looking for the same thing? Um, it's probably off this album. It's the most popular song off this album. Uh, they still play it in concert to this day, along with Peekaboo. But comparatively to Peekaboo, this is definitely the more like it's the more popular of the two and i i i feel like there's very obvious reason why it's more popular amongst the general population because it's more accessible than peekaboo uh (laughs) a little bit yeah (laughs) no scary clowns on this one yes uh and it's it's very simplistic as a Mm -hmm. song too and it's interesting because i think this is my least favorite song on the album i i enjoy it fine and love it but over time, I, in terms of Devo music, I always found this was too simplistic for them, mm. you know, lyrically wise, at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, um, I don't know. To me, it feels like, uh, like, you know, in, um, you know how in every single dystopian novel there or movie, there's always the protagonist who is, who is a cog in the system, but yeah. they're just, they're just starting to have an awakening <laughs> that, and realize that the society that they're living in is so broken yeah. that there needs to be change. I feel like the, the, the singer in this song, the person who's singing it is, is sort of just on the brink. He's he, they're just on that. They're <laughs> the, the edge of right. realization. You know, and they're saying things like, you know, ain't it true? There's room for doubt. Maybe some things you can do without life's yeah. a bee without a buzz. It's going great till you get stung. It's like, it's sort of hit that the singer realizing that, yeah, like happiness is like this ideal of personal happiness that we chase after and that's marketed to us by from so many different uh, targets is, you know, it's not all it's really not all it's cra- that it's cracked up to be right because at some point you know life is gonna take it life is gonna take a turn and hit you without warning mm-hmm. and bad things will suddenly happen to you for for practically no reason right because you know that that's just how that's just how life works it's random and it operates it operates mostly on chance and you know i just i feel like there's a, just a little bit of a nugget of the singer coming to terms with that with that that idea of like oh crap <laughs> the universe <laughs> is a the universe is a dark unfeeling yeah random place and i'm not protected by anything right you know maybe what? i'm reaching a little bit but maybe but i've never thought of it that way i was always so bogged down like everybody it's a good thing and that's good like i was always kind of and i'm like this whole idea of like the good thing, whatever. I'm like I said, I've always always I think I've always kind of dismissed it as being simplistic, but hearing you say that and now reading <laughs> and I'm reading through the lyrics now, like you're right. It is about somebody who's 
kind of stuck in this conformist society being told by people what the good thing is. And they're on the brink of being like, wait a minute, like this, I don't have to follow these rules that there are some things like, like, I don't need to like, and it goes into the whole, like, you know, um, let's toast everyone who might've missed the boat. Yeah. Right. It, it's just, yeah. Somebody who is having this awakening that, yeah. you know, and I'm starting to think now the good thing that we're considering the good thing is, is all the stuff that we've been told in a conformist society, what we're supposed to enjoy and what we're yeah. supposed to like. And it's this whole idea of, you know, basically becoming like everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. jumping on the bandwagon, buying, and, the, buying the same things, listening to the same kind of music, you know, following the same trends. Yeah, exactly. And I've never thought of it that way. Like, it, it, okay. Oh man. You just made me love Devo even more to- somehow. <laughs> A nod to all the people who missed the boat. Could it be that they're out of sync? Oh, <laughs> hey, everything like it, this ties into the whole fascistic part, right? This mm. idea of like being in a society where we're being told what's the good thing, what we're supposed to enjoy, what we're supposed to like. And if you don't like these things, you're an outcast and you're not, you know, considered a part of society. You're just an outlier who's weird and we should treat you as such. And here there's, and like you said, this person's awakening to that being like, wait a minute, like, I don't need to like some of these things. I can like whatever the fuck I want to like. Yeah. You know? And, and if I anyone love, has a problem with it, too bad. <laughs> yeah. And I love too how like the biggest interpretation that's come from this song are people saying it's a commentary on drugs. Like everybody wants the good thing. Like everyone wants, you know, drugs and wants to get high. Oh, like a high. Yeah. yeah. And the, the music video, it's backed up by the, the part in the music video with the French fry going into the donut and it breaks and the lady's like all disappointed. Oh, <laughs> and, oh man. and when, okay. So Devo was doing a project like uh, after this, like sometime in the nineties called Devo 2.0, where they essentially gathered a group of kids to perform their songs so they can reach an audience of young, young spuds, you know? Mm. And when they were performing this song, uh, one of, I think it was with Disney that they were doing this. One of the executives who was uh, heading the project was like, you can, we can't sing this song. It's about drugs. And Jerry Casale's like, what? He's like, are you seriously going to sit there and tell me what my song that I wrote 20 years ago is about? Like, what's wrong with you? And they're like, well, yeah, life's a bee without a buzz. It's going great till you get stung. He's like, that's about getting high. It's like, <laughs> Or maybe it's just a reference to a bee, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so, and I love Jerry Casale's reaction. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I wrote this song. I think I should know what it's about. Like, <laughs> What's wrong with you? But yeah, no, oh you definitely uh, opened up a new meaning to this song for me because I was always kind of oh. like, like I was always kind of iffy about this <laughs> about this song. Oh. I mean, I love the instrumentation. It's so simple. It's just like an yeah. E note that's like like the whole way through. And it's like fun. Um, but yeah, the, the lyrics, I was always kind of like, yeah, whatever. But now hearing you say that I'm like, this, this is taking a whole new meaning for me. And with that song, we end side a of the album. So that, yeah. So I find side a, uh 
what's interesting about it before we go into side B of the album is side A feels very third person-y. Like we're talking mm. to you and like, you know, spreading that message. But then when we enter side B, I feel it becomes very one person. Uh, mm. Like uh, from that perspective, like someone, some it, so side A is like, hey, let us tell you society. Let's talk about this. But then side B feels very much like a person talking about their own inner turmoil here. Mm. And yeah, side, yeah I def- that's where side B gets dark. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, I definitely, and I guess with that, we can probably dive into what uh, was probably one of my favorite songs on the album, Patterns. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, I'm, I'm not shocked. Like, I do love Patterns. I do think it's one of their best songs on the album. Mm, but yeah. yeah, I didn't expect you to you to find it. It was to be your favorite. Yeah, it, it just kind of, it, I, I mean, probably because it's, it feels like they're coming out of their, they're coming out of their ironic guys a little bit, and yeah. they're kind of they're being a little bit more straight up about what there's the, the subject about which they're singing. Yeah. And it can kind of, yeah, it's just one of those, one of those songs that can kind of be, it's a bit like a Rorschach test. You can kind of apply whatever, um, mm-hmm. whatever sort of ideas or, or feelings that come, that come up to it. Like, you know, we're talking about patterns that repeat themselves yeah. Uh, no matter how much, we, no matter how hard we try to kind of break free of them. And when, you know, when they're asking, can you recognize the patterns that you find? I feel like they're kind of exhorting you to be more, be more discerning of, mm. you know, what, you know, not just what, what patterns of behavior that we repeat in ourselves, but, you know, larger social systemic yeah. patterns that kind of, that kind of permeate every aspect of the way we live. Like, you know, I, I'll just give an example, like, uh, you know, let's say, you know, let's look at how like racism has evolved yeah. and how we've treated racism. Like before it, you know, it seems to take on before it seemed to be much more overt. And we looked at it, we look at the past as like, Oh, well, people were much more like overtly discriminatory before. And, you know, there was much more violence and, but, you know, if you look at the present, it's much more insidious and with, with only with, you know, occasional like really violent incidents against people of color and against minorities. Yeah. So it's like it that can kind of. I don't know, I, I, I just that's that was the sort of nugget that I that I took mm. from it. It's like it it kind of like it draws a connection between those two, the, these two ideas of like yeah. systemic social patterns and psychological patterns of like what are what are some patterns of behavior that that you repeat without knowing it you know yeah. kind of taking it taking for granted yeah so it, yeah it was uh it's just a very kind of yeah very very thought-provoking song yeah and uh yeah no, i really it, enjoyed it you i mean you've basically explained it better than i was going to explain it because that's essentially the stuff i was going to say it's it's true because patterns permeate every aspect of our lives, whether it's, you know, down to our own personal private lives or, you know, society as a whole, or even the world as a whole, there are patterns everywhere. And mm-hmm. there we're just constantly in these cyclical uh, sort of things. Like no matter how many times you think you're going to, you're like, Oh no, this time I'm going to do things differently. You always find yourself in a loop 
of kind of repeating these behaviors. And mm. this is the part I like when he's like, patterns multiplying, redirect our view, endless yeah. variations, mm-hmm. make it all seem new. Like, it, it's kind of like nothing. It It's basically a pattern repeating itself, but in a new way. So you don't recognize it, right? Which, yeah. I, looking back at my life, I noticed those patterns in my own life where mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, things are going to be different now that I've, I'm changing something and it's going to be different. And then I'm like, holy shit, I'm finding myself going back into the same pattern again. You know, mm-hmm. it's, and, but I didn't recognize it because it, it's the same pattern, but just in a different form. You know, mm-hmm. like just di- like yeah. almost like filling in the like a Mad Libs, right? You're just changing, but it's the exact same pattern. And I find what why like speaking of like how much they really have their you know like the finger on the pulse of society when it comes to this kind of stuff. Flash mm-hmm. forward to 2010, they released their album Something for Everybody, and they have the song What We Do, which basically oh, yeah. says the exact same thing as this <laughs> song. You know, what we do is what we do. It's all the same. There's nothing new. And just how these patterns just constantly repeat themselves, not in our lives, but also throughout history. Like everything's the same. Like, yeah, in, no matter what things we're going through, like they could be traced back. And it's like, I feel yeah. like it's just very much this thing of like society and humans. We just never learn. Yeah, there's I mean, talk to any like any human rights activist and they'll say who like who like who fights against, yeah. you know, racism sexism ableism all the isms in the world and they're like man i feel like i'm fighting the same battle over and over again every new generation we keep on trying to break out of these patterns and we don't we never really fully succeed we just get maybe a little bit closer to you know a little bit closer to the ideal yeah but it's just yeah and, and I love like where it's like, you know, in this land where stability is hard to find, you can rearrange the patterns. Yeah. So unkind. It, and I, I feel this goes back uh, to one of the previous songs on this album. Uh, Peekaboo. Yeah. I think it goes back uh, to Peekaboo. This idea of like, you know, we don't want to see the reality. Right. So we cover up our eyes. So in a sense, we try to like rearrange the pattern. So unkind where we're <clears throat> like, we're recognizing them, but in, instead of trying to do something about it we shy away we like bury our head in the sand about these patterns right it's like we don't want to recognize them in a sense yeah just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there it doesn't work that way (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's you know what like i've never i've always sort of experienced the like i've experienced the album as a whole thematically and the songs individually but now it's kind of it's kind of crazy how the songs do tie into each other in a in a crazy way Mm. like they 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 really are it's not just a bunch of random songs it's they really are fitting together as a whole to paint a picture of this fascistic clown society (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah i don't know if i'd call it a a concept album exactly but there's definitely like a thematic continuity throughout there i I would say it's it's definitely um a concept album in a vague sense of the term Mm -hmm. because they like i said they did have the concept of an album made by fascist clowns and (laughs) they do all like now that we're talking about it all these songs do connect with each other in some, mm-hmm. Like we keep finding ourselves going back to one of the previous songs where we're like, oh, it's kind of like what they said there. We're like, wait a minute, like pieces <laughs> in a puzzle coming together to make the whole picture, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, this lyric is just great. Old patterns never die. They just go on and on. And it, on. Yeah. And on and on. It, it doesn't matter how much you try to change a pattern or if you think you've destroyed a pattern, it it's still there. It's never going to end. Um, and okay, so this is what I love. I feel like inside me, there's a thread of this person slowly going insane okay which starts Mm. with patterns where they're recognizing these patterns of behavior and then it goes into the next song where it's like big big mess he was all mixed up and a big mess big mess he was this was he was this was based on a real person wasn't it uh sort of yeah so there was a famous uh there was i don't know famous but there was a disc jockey who was receiving letters from a fan uh who called himself cowboy kim uh, who may have been schizophrenic like he may have had schizophrenia and he was oh. sending these very disjointed weird fan letters to the guy uh, which they basically pulled a lot of those lyrics a lot of like what he wrote in the fan letters and made it into this song wow yeah <laughs> that, that explains why that explains why these lyrics feel a little bit more like not exactly a rant, but kind of like, uh, just, yeah, more like a rambling, really. Yeah. Ramblings of a very disjointed mind. Yeah. A fractured mind, uh, trying, trying to make sense of reality. I mean, he even calls himself Mr. Reality at one point. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, oh my God. I don't know if this is my favorite Devo song off the album, but it's definitely up there as, I mean, just, musically right right off the top like i did like it's so it just hooks you right in like with full energy and then just the nonsensical state of the lyrics gets you so confused and yeah it we're 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 just diving deep into the fractured mind of somebody who is obviously not doing well or in other words is a big mess <laughs> yeah yeah very uh yeah mildly disturbing but very catchy that dissonance <laughs> that dissonance again <laughs> yeah which they do very very well and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's so fascinating just diving into the psyche of somebody who thinks this way, you know, and seeing it laid out. And it's kind of funny again, like you were saying that dissonance, right. Where they're mixing this very upbeat, poppy, dancey tune that if you're not paying attention to the lyrics, you're just like dancing away and bopping your butt. And you're just like, yeah, but it's made by the lyrics of somebody who's just completely disturbed and completely just broken. Like their psych- their psyche is just broken, and it, it it just that juxtaposition together just makes this song so wonderful in a lot of ways, but very very dark at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a big thing too about like what makes Devo so great this this idea of like exploiting exploiting the sick, right, or exploiting the ill. Uh, which I don't, they weren't trying to do that, but this sort of, but like putting that together where we're basically, you know, turning a, a man's disjointed ramblings into this dancey song 
just adds to that layer of like how society probably treats the mentally ill. Right. Yeah. And I find this more poignant today where mental illness has been become romanticized and glamorized and has become a trend for some reason. And I could definitely see, because they're doing it ironically here, but I could definitely see artists today doing something like this unironically, kind of like, oh my God, look how look how fun it is to be to be completely broken psychologically. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, look, I'm I'm tortured. I'm an artist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's kind of like <laughs> like Billie Eilish, right? The uh, whole phenomenon that is Billie Eilish is essentially doing something like this, but unironically. Yeah. Oh, I'll just look at every like <laughs> yeah, practically every student film ever made. Oh, geez, don't get me started. Although, film they, school, bingo. although uh, the difference between the two, though, is that, um, you know, this song is actually a lot of fun mm-hmm. and enjoyable and engaging. And even if you're not listening to the lyrics, you're still having a good time uh, mm-hmm. while those films are just insufferable. God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. Great song, fun song. I, I don't think they were trying to do anything too profound with this one, but just the fact that it's like the source material of it is just really what makes like what yeah. they're trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go into what is possibly oh. the most divisive song they've ever created. The uh, weirdest, just strangest song. God, this fucking song. <laughs> speed racer. I'm speed racer and I drive real fast. Speed speed racer really drives real fast. Speed speed racer really drives real fast. I drive, I drive real fast. fast. I I'm gonna last. last. Oh my god. Oh, good lord. It, okay. That, this song. Okay. The first time I listened to this album all the way through, yeah. this song got stuck in my head for days and days, and it <laughs> took a very, very long time to leave. So oh, I it, have a I suffice it to say I have a real love-hate relationship with this song because it is such an earworm yeah you're not the only person and i think what makes this song such an earworm is the fact that it's so absurd and weird (laughs) it's like sometimes songs are earworms just because they're catchy but this is not it's catchy but not in a pop song kind of way but in just this absurdist like what the fuck did i just listen to yeah kind of way like what just like this? yeah it's it's very much yeah the musical equivalent of dot of dada just yeah. which totally devo started off as a dada art piece right so yeah. Yeah. it makes sense that they would go into it but it's just it for everything from the riff which is like you know which it's 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 weird in and of itself as a riff but just the all the characters that pop up like i'm a big bird and i like to steal (laughs) what the fuck am i listening to what is this uh man if you (laughs) i'm just thinking of like if you were to take devo's songs and adapt them into a musical and yeah. have the character and have the characters it revolves around be these characters. Oh yeah. That would be quite something. Oh boy. Which is funny because a long time ago, my love for this album, I wanted to take the songs off this album and turn it into a musical kind of thing. Mm. And it, it tied into, you know, the idea I told you recently about that I had uh, with the, the reality show. Of oh people? yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, that idea originated back when I was like 21 and loving this album and turning mm. and, inspired by 
the songs on this album and turning it uh, into a musical, it would have been like those songs would have been used in the within that context of the character. Uh, okay. Um, but I've decided to, you know, make it a more straightforward film rather than a Devo musical. But I yeah. still, man, I would love to have this album be turned into a musical. Yeah. They, they work together. All the songs work together so well to paint a picture, right? And tell a they story. They do. Yeah, it's true. They definitely so, do that. They have a, ve- a very unique atmosphere that uh, is yeah. all its own. And so this song, every time I hear anyone talk about this album or just Devo in general, they either absolutely adore the song or they just like, they're just like, I fucking hate the song. I hate the song. I never want to listen to it. It's so weird. It's so dumb. I am on the love side of it, but it took me a while to get there. It's very much an acquired taste um, because the first time I heard it, it was like you like, what, what? And same thing. I kept finding it popping up into my head. So I'd re-listen to it and re-listen to it and really to the point that I'm like, this song is just brilliant. And I don't, I don't know why I don't know why it is, but it's just fantastic in every sense of the word. Yeah. It's, it's, I honestly wondered if it was like, maybe this is this, maybe they're trying to like compose the soundtrack to a person actually like going insane in real time. <laughs> well, which and I was going to say, that's, about, I feed a racer and I drive real fast, you know. Because that's what I was going to say. Like I, I said before, side B does feel like the crumbling psyche of somebody within our society, you know, starting with patterns and then ending with deep sleep. Like it just, Mm. it does feel like that process is happening, you know? And Mm. this is so, but no, even no matter what context this is in, I I can't figure out how to place this song. I, to this day, I have no idea what this song is about. I mean, we got speed racer drives real fast. We got a pirate who likes to steal. We've got the Barbie girl who's got brains, but she likes sex. And an yes. I'm your Dr. Red here. Like like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, like, Vishesh, you're smart. Please, please tell me, what is this song about? Please, oh could, did you figure out, could you, could you <laughs> with all your wisdom and intelligence, uh, when it comes to stuff like this, can you please, please, please dissect this song for me and tell me what it's about? Uh... It's about everything and nothing at the same oh, time. <laughs> Great. It all makes sense now. It's about it's about wanting to, you know, Speed Racer wants to go fast. Like that's his main <laughs> drive and desire in life. He wants to go as fast as humanly possible. And that's that's a mirror for how human beings are. We just want more and more instant gratification and we're willing to do whatever it takes to get that it's as opposed to just stopping and, and slowing down a little bit and enjoying life as much as we can we're just we're and 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 we're forced to be maybe speed racer is on this journey because he feels he needs to be fast he needs to be productive he needs to be you know this uh this this unbreakable cog in the capitalist machine and so he feels that he needs to go fast and he needs to last because if he doesn't he'll completely fall apart and uh the big pirate who likes to steal is uh, is the boss that he works for <laughs> the, the the boss of this giant corporation who you know likes to uh likes to steal and just you know is this <laughs> complete uh you know uh 
ultra rich guy who doesn't give a shit about anybody else but money. And um, oh god. And um, <laughs> so this song, what you're saying, um, this song is about um, our the, the 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 sort of human need to overindulge and live in excess, right? Yeah. Like a speed racer likes to go fast. I, mm-hmm. Everything. Everything is about instant gratification and has yeah. to happen now. The big part likes to steal and he likes to kill because it, like I said, it's that life of excess, you know, complete yeah. hedonism and just taking what you want. Cause it's mine. And the Barbie girl, she's got brains, but she's also a woman and she's empowered. So she likes sex as well. And that's, you know, it's okay to overindulge in sex as well. And the doctor, man, he wants to be fucking rich. So it doesn't <laughs> matter. It's like, sure, I'm saving lives, but like, here's your bill. It's $200,000. <laughs> uh, ah, <laughs> oh, very good health it's, care. It's yeah. It's, this song. Oh, my God. That was a great yeah, interpretation, that, though, but thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Let it, let it be known that this interpretation was uh, extracted straight from my rectal cavity. Yeah. Uh, the funniest, uh, because obviously, you know, I want to know what this song's about. And I was doing re- research and I used that very loosely. Uh, and uh, somebody had the weirdest, strangest, funniest interpretation of this song. How oh, okay. um, it's about an abortion. <laughs> what? So Speed Racer. <laughs> hold on. So uh, Speed Racer uh, has sex with the Barbie doll. Uh-huh. And uh, gets her pregnant. Hence, you know, she's got brains, but she likes sex. Uh, uh-huh. But the thing is, Barbie doll's boyfriend is the pirate. And that's why Speed Racer wants to go real fast. He's running away from the pirate who <laughs> wants to kill him for sleeping with his girlfriend and impregnating her. And then they go to the doctor. And that's why he gave the bill, because they got an abortion. <laughs> oh, my God. And this is further emphasized because, OK, uh, did you watch um, the concert video? Uh, I, I did not get a chance to, unfortunately. Okay, so what's this is a perfect time to talk about that. What's really cool. So Devo was very innovative when it came to their live shows um, for new traditionalists. They did all their live shows on treadmills like they had all this choreography huh. on treadmills to all the songs. But starting with Oh No, It's Devo. They had video projections playing throughout their song. So while they were singing, the video projections were telling us the story of the song visually, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an element that to this day they they still have in their concerts. And at the time, it was very, very new, like uh, playing in sync to video and everything was uh, a very new technology that they weren't super familiar with. So they had a lot of tech issues throughout their concert, which is really okay. funny because when they were when they were singing Speed Racer at the end of Speed Racer, everything went out of sync. <laughs> and you can see it in the video like the uh, Alan Myers is trying so hard to play the drums, but he can't because it just completely fucks up. And Jerry Casali's like, oh, he has his hands in his head like, oh, my God. And <laughs> then. And in the concert, they go right into big mess after Speed Racer, but they couldn't perform it because everything was out of sync. And like Mark is like, I'm sorry, we have to stop. Our video is out of sync with our click track. (laughs) It's it's just so funny how like, oh my god, like how that happened. It was a big mess that show. Uh, Uh, And then they have the song out of sync. So just to add to the to support that, 
I uh, love the the unpredictability of live entertainment, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, and it's it's just funny how I, it's like the click track at the end of the song was like, "Fuck this shit, man!" Like, <laughs> like fuck this. <laughs> um, and uh, the video projection for this song, uh, Mark is playing Speed Racer uh, and singing a Speed Racer, but when the pirate and the girl and the doctor appear, they appear on the video and the doc and part of the, vi- like the performance is that the, the pirate is chasing speed racer and speed mm-hmm. racer is like running. It's like, go, go, go speed racer. And like the Barbie girl and the doctor appear next to the pirate. And it ends with the pirate, like kicking Mark and kicking Jerry to the ground kind of thing. <laughs> um, so Yeah. Uh, well that was a whole lot to explain a very absurd song yeah okay so this is my honest um interpretation of the song um when it was starting with oh no it's evo uh and everything they were entering a territory of creating music like this feels like a show like a t like a children's show um in terms of sound like the the create like the sound of this very much feels like a theme song to a children's show right mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and speed racer was famously a cartoon show it's a, a kids cartoon show back in the day right and they were moving more into that area of like jingles and uh sort of commercial music i mean devo famously made a whole album of covers of their own music as easy music you know like elevator uh. music kind of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, which they found was the most lowest form of music that exists. So taking that into consideration, I do, that's, that's what this feels like. It feels like a theme song for a kid's show, but they're adding in all these sort of very darker elements to it. Like the pirate likes to kill Uh, Barbie doll, likes sex. The doctor is stealing your money with his bills. Like these are not things you would see in a kid's show, you know? So I think it goes back to, like with peekaboo right uh taking that sort of very childish game but juxtaposing it with more adult ideas that that's basically what this is doing taking the idea of a children's theme song but mixing in very adult ideas to it Mm. um that that's I think that's the best interpretation I could come up with that make, and it makes the most sense with the overall idea of the album. Yeah. That actually does make sense. Yeah. It's almost like a commercial break. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh. And, and it plays into, you know, the whole idea of boogie boy too, right? The regressed infant, infant, my God, how do you say ingress? Regressed. Yeah. Regressed infant. Infantilism. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So the regressive. Jesus Christ. I, boy, that was that a hard word to pronounce. It's like you know in Rush Hour Two, Gufilka Fish. Oh, yeah. Um. So yeah, the regressive infantilism of Boogie Boy, right? Like this. This. It, it almost plays into this. Like imagine an a human adult who has emotionally never grown up and is mm-hmm. tied to these very infantile ideals uh, shown here by, you know, children's cartoon and theme song. But imagine trying to face a world with real, real things, but 
still stuck on those infantile ideals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's uh yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. It's uh it I mean, kinda, like you, I'm like pulling that... this interpretation out of my ass, but <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something to be said for yeah, like yeah. being obsessed with being obsessed with nostalgia and like Oh, especially the the nostalgia obsession today is off the charts. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, all the like all the Disney remakes that have come out now, the yeah. live action remakes. And something that are clearly about, just cash grabs. Yeah, and something about our generation. I don't know what it is, but those nostalgia goggles are strong, man. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the best I can interpret from Speed Racer mixing, uh, you know, uh, children's cartoons with just adult, like adult themes yeah and And then from there we go into what i think is one of their most underrated songs uh no one ever talks about the song and i think it's phenomenal uh is what i must do so you know i must do what i must do what i must do what i must uh, it's I love this song. I really do. And yeah, I, I remember it. Remember when, <laughs> of course you remember it. Uh, the student protests were happening. Oh yeah. I feel like this song would have been a great theme song to that. Like, because this song very much comes across as somebody who feels they're doing something for the greater good doing they like, I must do what I must do. And but it's also further emphasized uh, with the lines, which I just think is an absolute it's my one of my favorite lyrics off a Devo song, which is why do you think that a man jumps out of the frying pan into the fire when he can find a way not to get burned? I and this is something that Devo were really good at was taking idioms and kind of remorphing them into a different meaning like Mm -hmm. that, uh, which you know, you could find throughout all their songs, like their use of reformed idioms, you know, hmm. repurposed, There's to, given you meaning. Yeah, it's kind of, I, this is another, this is my other favorite song on this album, because again, it kind of ties back into the idea of patterns and repeating, Yeah. Uh, you know, repeating patterns of behavior. And this kind of takes what, it, it kind of takes what, the sort of resigned tone of the song before and kind of just flips it on its head and being like, and, and is like, you know, why do we do these things that, that bring us misery and pain when we could just as simply, we could just as simply avoid those behaviors and lead a much more pleasant life. Why do we torture yeah. ourselves? Yeah. And you know, again, that can be, you know, it can be applied to a lot of things. You can apply it to, you know, the world of consumerism. And like, why yeah. do we feel the need to buy all this crap that we don't actually need? Yeah. Or even like social media, right? Why do we feel the need to to constantly scroll through this when we know it makes us feel like crap? Yeah. 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 And and that and it, okay, it goes back to the like this song ties in very neatly with patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Like I must do what I must do. Uh, but despite the fact that, you know, we could like, why do we find ourselves keep doing these things when there are ways to get out of it or, you know, alternatives that are probably much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, it's uh and that and what you said ties in with like the opening of the song, right? I used to plan and plot and yeah. try to live correct. Lately I do a lot of things that don't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it it's it's very much this idea of kind of going against rationality, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not and the singer thinking, knows that they're going against rationality too. Yeah. And yet they like find they're themselves fully aware of the decisions they're making. Yeah, and yet they find themselves doing it anyway because it that's just how we are as people, right? Like mm-hmm. humans are very irrational creatures. Uh no matter what, there's there's always an easier, better alternative to things, but we always seem to take the way that a certain way because we're used to it or we've been told that's the way to go, which again, that ties into a lot of the other songs on this album, right? Those attitudes Mm -hmm. that seem to just be like, that's what I mean. Like what's so great. This, just this falling psyche of a man, right. Who realizes these things, but feels stuck in these patterns and doesn't know how to get out of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a very, uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the most profound songs on the album, I think, easily. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the ending of the song really like emphasizes how why we can't get out of that irrational thinking because he goes like below the sky above, beyond what's good and true, something as loud of love falls out, I can't refuse. It's mm. it's almost like we're like moths to a light. Right? Yeah. Where it's like we know this is not good for us, we know this is but like, I must do what I must do because this, this is for the greater good of things. Right. This yeah. is, this is what I'm told must be done. And this is what must be done. And I love the circular kind of formation of the lyrics in the course. Like I must do what I must do. I must, you know, like I must do what I must do. What Like, it's just a sort of like circular thing. Again, going back to the whole patterns thing where it just repeats itself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it just uh it, it's a great uh it's a great nod to that previous uh that previous idea and it's just kind of it, it come all comes back in a circle you know in this album yeah it's it's br- like these guys are brilliant that's why it pisses me off when people dismiss them as a novelty act it's like listen to this like listen to this stuff they're writing it's so prof- it's it's not just prof- sorry I, I don't want to use the word profound it's more like it's so clever and mm-hmm. so like they they're very smart and very yeah. wise and it's like stop dismissing them as a novelty band like please for the love of all that is good and true <laughs> yeah no they're definitely much more than that yeah uh and from there we go in it, which it, what i must do ties in very nicely with the next one uh which is their darkest song i find uh, oh yeah it's definitely 100% their darkest song i desire which every t- dude every time i listen to this song i love this song but oh my god it it just like makes my spine tingle every time mm-hmm. i listen to it and kudos to them that they were able like uh instrumentally they were able to create an atmosphere with this song to provoke that kind of emotion like yeah it's it's so brilliant uh mm-hmm. i cannot describe how how well they, like how successful they were in creating this song it's and it's yeah it's creepy like i desire your attention 
I desire your perfect love. I desire nothing more than this. Oh, God. It's, yeah, it was, uh, that one was really, it just made me think of every, like, you know, every incel dude out there who, like, you know, has, well, you know, the, you know, the movement, you know, those guys, they're just yeah. so en- entitled to the point of, like, yeah, literally just, literally, you know, going over the edge and, you know. Yeah. It's it's literally the dangers of obsessive love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it just being it's it's not even love. It's obsession, which is really yeah. fucking scary. Uh, mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't, okay, so a little context to the song, um, the lyrics of the song, at least the two first verses, because uh, Gerald Casale wrote the third verse to emphasize that this is a very dangerous sort of love. Mm-hmm. Um, I the thought it was it. Yeah. Yeah. So the lyrics were pulled from a poem written by John Hinckley Jr., who is notorious for trying to attempt to assassinate President Ronald Reagan as a means of impressing a then 14 year old Jodie Foster, who he Ugh. was obsessively in love with. That's so gross. She was 14 at the time. Well, she was. Yeah, she was still a kid. She was like a teenager. I think I think it was around the time he wrote. It was around the time like Taxi Driver came out where she played a young prostitute in it. Oh, God, that's disgusting. Which, oh, my God, what a way to tie in with the theme of this song, Taxi Driver. Like this is clearly um, but in Taxi Driver's case, it wasn't like he didn't have an obsessive love. But I find the last three songs, what I must do, uh, I desire and deep sleep together form um such a great soundtrack to like travis bickle from oh, yeah. taxi driver uh rupert pupkin from king of comedy <laughs> oh, uh God. the joker from uh, the new movie like uh, the joaquin phoenix joker yeah, like, yeah. They, they form together and even starting with patterns i would say, i would say starting from patterns to deep sleep makes such a perfect soundtrack to like those types of characters that we see just this complete descent into men like of their mental illness, not being taken care of, not being treated, completely breaking, you know, psychologically falling into a deep despair to the point that they just completely snap and break. And it's a terribly horrifying and scary thing that happens. Yeah. This is why guys, it is so so important to to get to get the right help and the right treatment like but i also what i find interesting about those movies too is that yes the person but society has to help these people too we have to allow them to get because i uh, i find like so with like taxi driver travis bickle who's suffering from ptsd from fighting in the vietnam war society Mm -hmm. is just shitting on him it's mm-hmm. like they're not. That's why he's falling apart. You know, Ru- uh, Rupert Pupkin's a little bit different. He's just delusional. Uh, <laughs> but uh, or yeah. like the Joker, he is mentally ill. He's seeing a doctor. But uh oh, uh, yeah. the government's like, yeah, sorry, we can't fund this anymore. So you're not seeing a doctor anymore. They like they yeah. just he's getting beaten up on the street and nobody gives a shit about him. It's mm-hmm. like I'm not condoning his actions. He's a, a terrible awful like i would never ever excuse his actions but 
if society is not there to help these people, that's what can happen. These people will mm-hmm. fall down deep in the hole and deep in the well. And you brought up the idea of incels with this, right? Yeah. Like, that's another big issue. Like I find it's dangerous to demonize in not the ones who have committed atrocities, but the ones who have not yet, because these are people that need help. They mm-hmm. need psychiatric therapeutic help to get mm-hmm. them out of this deep self-pitying despair of a hole that they got in and society is not helping by constantly shitting on them because they're just pushing them deeper and deeper into the hole until the point that they fucking snap like i said it's not society's fault overall but we have to work together you know what i mean these people need to get self-awareness to get themselves help but society has to allow them to get help, has to push them to get help too. You know what I mean? Instead of shitting on yeah, them, they be like, you need help, go get help. Like I'm not condoning this behavior. That's why, yeah. yeah. That's why it's very, yeah. That's why it's very important. I think particularly for, particularly for men to kind of like look out for each other and see if, if one of us is going down that mm-hmm. kind of hole to pull us out of it, you know, don't to kind of like, to, to see when when somebody is close to being radicalized and then just yeah. slowly and just work to pull them out of it, work to bring them back to reality. Yeah, because that's how we can pre- that's how we can prevent so many more of these kinds of atrocities. Yeah. And that's basically that we covered all this territory in one Devo song. Yeah. But I mean, it was a build up, right? It's like yeah. all these songs. Yeah. I feel like the second, especially the second half of this album, all these songs kind of play into that. Right. And yeah. it builds up to that idea of somebody just completely being pushed to the brink and like, because if you, this song in particular, it's being sung by a sociopath. Like, let's be honest. Like this is clearly so even, even the way they, even the way it's being sung, like the delivery of it is so great because they Mm -hmm. really captured, like, I just love it. It's like, don't let me torment you. Don't let me bring you down. Don't ever let me hurt you. Don't let me fail because I desire. Like, it's so creepy. Fuck. Oh, I yeah. love it. Like, I love it. But it's. Uh, it's uh, and yeah, as to what you were saying, it's true. You know, we have to be there for each other to help because what's dangerous is that a lot of these people and you know what? I'm not going to focus on just incels like there's a lot of groups of people who mm. are on that sort of brink, right? Like of mental collapse. Um, yeah. And what ends up happening is because society doesn't provide um, places for them to be able to seek help and get help and have like people uh, or allow a space for them to reach out for help, uh, they end up in echo chambers. Right. They end up in these like dark caves where the only people they're interacting with are other people like them, which mm. ends up making them spiral even further because it's an echo chamber. It's just blah, 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 blah of all the same ideas being thrown at each other. And when society does even more pushback on them, it just pushes these sort of dark echo chambers deeper into the ground. Right. Where mm. there's less chance of them seeing the light. So it's just this weird battle that's going on where it's like they need help, but we have to give them the chance to reach out for help, too, you know, and not Mm -hmm. being because I do find there's a lot that like have tried to reach out for help, but are immediately shut down. And it's like, that's the wrong thing to do. This guy's this person's reaching out for help. Fucking help them, you know? Yeah. 
It's yeah. but it's very it's complicated and nuanced and it's such a massively gray area, right? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's tough because you know you're trying to you have to you have to also dismantle a lot of like a lot of ideas and a lot of yeah kind of social norms about the way that men relate to women and, and, and vice versa and it's it's yeah yeah there's a lot there's yeah yeah there, and i mean i feel like we we don't have to spend too much time talking about that like that could be yeah. a whole episode in and of itself yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. um add that to the add that to the tupperware of topics <laughs> <laughs> the tiny tupperware of topics uh um, yeah so what yeah. i'm just saying this is almost like a call out to everyone if you notice somebody is it, struggling or feeling lonely or you know like help them like mm-hmm. especially like i find out like m- me myself when i've been in like those really deep dark states of loneliness i've tried reaching out to people and they don't like they don't like reach back and that's mm-hmm. dangerous like if somebody is reaching out to you god forbid fucking like be there support them and i'm not saying dedicate your life to so but like a small thing as like yeah. hey oh i hey i noticed you're reaching out to me are you okay do you need to talk like you don't have yeah, to do yeah. anything crazy just a small thing and then help if, if you notice somebody is falling apart that way ignoring them terrible thing to do because that's the fucking issue right and demonizing them awful because that would just make them hate everything more like help got you don't have to do you don't have to do anything all well you have to do something but i mean you don't have to like dedicate your life to doing things all you have to do is help guide them in the right direction you know somebody's reaching out to you okay how are you feeling oh that's not good let me support you here why don't i encourage you to like go out or like why don't i encourage you to seek help or anything you know rather than just fucking shitting on them yeah just Bring them back to reality, yeah. however you can. Uh, people out there, you see these uh, deep conversations we're having. Okay, it, it, this is thanks to Devo. So if I hear anyone <laughs> out there just dismissing them as a novelty band, like fuck you. Okay. Uh, um, and then perfect transition. The final song, which is, oh, I love this song. It's so great. A uh, deep sleep. Like just, I've been walking in a deep sleep, sleep walking, but I just woke up from a deep sleep, a very deep sleep. I've been running on remote control in a deep sleep, a very deep sleep. <sighs> like I find this can be interpreted in many ways, but in the context of this, I find the person who's woken up from deep sleep are like the Travis Bickles and the jokers of the world. Like, the deep sleep, it, like, because they do say, like, please, like, let me back into a sleep again, right? It's almost like the deep sleep, as much as, uh, you know, it's a dreamlike state is where we want to be. Because the minute we get out of that deep sleep is when we're, do, we're having the attitudes of, like, I desire and I must do what I must do. Like, you're just breaking out of it all, right? And it's kind of, and it, it's interesting how... Devo, as much as they say being part of uh, like conforming to society and all that, like is actually a de-evolved type of thing. At the same time, they're kind of 
it, it's kind of like they're bringing up like how dangerous breaking out of that is at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's like the person who leaves the cave, right? Their eyes are blinded yeah. by the sun. They don't know how to, re- how to process all of this newfound knowledge. Yeah. So you kind of, your, your brain gets a little bit scrambled. Yeah. And I find it with this idea it's emphasized by their lyrics where it's like, I awoke the moment I was told that a smile is just a frown turned around on the face of a clown with a mean streak. Like that, those lyrics right there are just brilliant. And just, I think at the end of the day, sum up what they were trying to do with the whole album, just Mm -hmm. waking up from this deep sleep that we've all been in, in this dreamlike society of conformity and what we're being told to do. But, you know, when you faced a harsh reality and you finally broken, you want to just be put back into that deep sleep. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it is kind of the perfect track to end the album really, because it, 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 it sums up, pretty much everything that they're everything that they're trying to tell us about like like conscious and unconscious behavior like mm-hmm. things that we things that we do that reflect certain ideas that we don't even know that we had yeah. you know like a very sort of i think they're they're exhorting us to to be more aware of that and right. to try and like to, to try and, I guess, examine ourselves a little bit more closely so that we can live together a little bit more, uh, a little bit more harmoniously, if that's possible. If it's possible. I mean, is harmony really possible? I think that <laughs> now that you say the word harmony, it's making me think of like the fascistic quality of all this, right? That they were trying to bring of like, uh-huh. it's not really harmony, it's forced harmony, right? Yeah. Harmony is, is not about, um, trying to live harmoniously with everyone it's about being forced to fit into what we're told to be mm-hmm. to to not make waves or create airs yeah yeah which is not really harmony at all it's just no. yeah it's the illusion of harmony right mm-hmm. but in reality it's just it's obedience yeah it's something it's much more different. cold and sterile and yeah and joyless <laughs> Yeah, and it's just, yeah, this song just is just great. You know, this idea that we've all, we're all in a deep, and this this is why I like that it further emphasizes that the members of Devo are not hypocrites. You know, they're not like, they're, they're, they're very much in this deep sleep as the rest of us. And I think, you know, they're, they're very, they're emphasizing the idea that waking up from this, deep sleep is actually much more dangerous than Mm -hmm. as much as like we'd like to all wake up from the deep sleep. What happens when you wake up from the deep sleep, you end up being one of those psychopaths that just fucking loses their mind. Right. And just goes on a rampage because they see it's almost like that. Right. Like when you think about a character like the Joker uh, who lives in chaos and who sees reality for what it is because he's woken up from his deep sleep and he's like, I've got to put an end to all this reality and bring the chaos. That is what should be happening. And it's like, uh, oh, <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
It's it's uh, it's very disturbing, but it's very it's uh, it's very timely, actually. <laughs> so oh, as we close, come to a close <clears throat> to this album, uh, I just thought of a great question I'd like to ask you. Yeah. Um, so how would how would you find this album? Would you say it's actually, you know, deep, intelligent and profound or incredibly pretentious? <laughs> um. <clears throat> You know, I I would say that, <laughs> like, if I'm if I'm interpreting pretentious in the most the, the most literal interpretation of the word, which is yeah. literally to pretend to put on an act, yeah, uh, I think it's somewhere in really somewhere in between. Mm. There's a lot of there's a lot of challenging, thought provoking ideas that are expressed yeah. in the lyrics. And I think the and I and it that show a lot of of really really careful thought and intent. That's why you know I always say satire has to have intent. It's got to be. It's yeah. got to have a very definite aim. And you know, the minds behind Devo definitely do. Um, and it's and you know the act that they put on to try and simulate this. You know, you're talking about sort of becoming what you're what you're satirizing in yeah, order yeah. to really get it across. I think that that's very that that's very deliberate too. So, do I think it's do I think it's pretentious? I sort of do, but I, I don't mean that as a as a bad thing. I think what they're pre, the the pretense that they put on is actually very beneficial to the statement that they're trying to make. They're not just they're not doing it to be. Uh, they're they're clearly not doing it to just to be you know quote unquote edgy without any underlying content behind it. They yeah. are, you know, they, they do they do have a very definite message and they are they have thought very deeply about how they're trying to bring it about. So I, I would say that, yeah, it it's it they definitely succeeded at, at that because um, it definitely gave me, you know, talk, just listening to this album and talking about it. Uh, it's def- it's definitely given me a whole new appreciation for the band because. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, they're. I think that they're a very they're a very intelligent group of people who know who clearly know how to rock. <laughs> and uh, do they put on a great show? I've seen them yeah. live three times in my life, and it's always been such a great show. They sound like they would be really fun live. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm glad I I'm glad I listened to it. I'm glad I got to talk about it. Uh, I, yeah. I think you said it very, you said, it, I'm glad I asked you that question because you, you just have a way with, of explaining things that I would never like, you just explained it so well what I, and you, you hit the nail on the head. They very much walk that line of right in the middle of pretension and like profoundness, right. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. And I, I, it goes back to what I've been saying, how they're not hypocrites. They're not pretending to be something else. They're saying this message of de-evolution and trying to open our eyes to it, but always very much say that they themselves are very much de-evolved, just like the rest of us. Like mm-hmm. they themselves, like they're not, they, they're like, yeah, they're putting on the pretension of being like, oh, look, like we have this profound message. We would like to say, okay, wake up people, you know, but they are also not lying about the fact that they very much are just a part as a part of the evolution as the rest of us. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So they definitely found they have the perfect medium of both. And yeah. that's a big reason I've always loved them. Uh, mm-hmm. Their aesthetic, their message, their uh, because I, I'm very much on them too, where it's like, as you know, the, the whole idea of humans de-evolving and regressing is like, it's very true. And it, uh, there's such a great moment where it just like cuts, uh, there was like a behind the scenes featurette of them on their uh, 2010 album. And it cuts to Jerry and he's like, they just, everyone just seems to be getting fatter and stupid. <laughs> like, oh no, yeah, no, no. They're they're just getting dumber and uglier. That was that's what it was. They're just getting dumber and uglier. <laughs> like and it just made because it just like cut to it quickly and then cut away. So there was like humor in just that, which was really nice. funny. <laughs> uh so uh, yeah this is this has always been my all-time favorite album uh this was actually my introduction to devo uh this mm. was the first devo i had ever listened to uh this devo album also thanks to this devo album we also got one of weird al's best songs dare to be stupid which is a style parody of devo but very specifically the the sound of this album as a whole and he very much captured the sound to the point that Mark Mothersbaugh was like, it's the greatest Devo song ever. And I hate him for it. <laughs> um, and he, he, he captured the spirit of Devo too. Cause like uh, dare to be stupid. Just the idea of like, we're daring to be stupid. You know, humans were just regressing into monkey men and being dumb. But uh, mm-hmm. also the whole song is filled with what Devo does really well and that's the repurposing of idioms, right? Mm. Like changing them, twisting them to give a bit of a different meaning. So it it was dare to I heard dare to be stupid first. And then I loved it so much that I went, I came to listen to this. Uh mm-hmm. um, oh no, it's Devo. And this, and that's basically how I fell in love with Devo through Weird Al. Weird Al was my gateway drug. Um ah, interesting. And yeah, and then from there I discovered all the other Devo albums. And this 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 also is such an important album for me because it's the first album that I really got. Like this was the beginning of me loving albums like as a whole, like listening to an album as a whole, loving the the album as a piece of work, you know, not just individual songs, like whole albums. And oh, no, it's Devo, along with Devo's Duty Now for the Future and New Traditionalists were the first vinyls I ever bought as well. Uh, they were the first of my collection. So this, this, this album has a very special place in my heart for a large variety of reasons. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I was waiting. I was actually waiting for you to bring up weird L because uh, <laughs> there's, there seems to be so many, like so many stylistic similarities between the two and oh, even yeah. like even thematic similarities as well. You know, weird Al is pretty, you know, he's a pretty irreverent guy and he even his you know not just his parodies but his original songs too kind of yeah. uh kind of satirize various uh <laughs> fads and trends yeah and, uh, and what I, i'm sure it's a matter of time before we get a weird al album on uh, for the love of media too oh yeah yeah for dude you know it like <laughs> weird al was my first music love so yeah. obviously and it, it's crazy how much devo actually um just just as a pop culture icon, so not their ideology, but just mm. Evo as the band, how much they've actually entered into our culture as a whole without anyone even realizing it. Like they were widely influential for 
tons of bands, you know, mm-hmm. like Kurt Cobain loved Devo, uh, you know, huh. the Nine Inch Nails, uh, like all these bands that cite Devo has big influences. And the, the you know, um, the Aquabats, you know, love oh, yeah. Devo. And they even, you know, the, the idea like all the Aquabats have a uni- have a uniform, right? Huh. As a band, like that was directly inspired from Devo. Mm-hmm. Um, even when, oh, recently, oh, really cool. Recently, there was a, a video on YouTube. Uh, they did a cover of Devo's Girl You Want and uh, the guitarist oh, yeah. from the Aquabats performed the guitar on that cover. So that was really cool. Um, and also just um, as people like Mark Mothersbow uh, has his own recording studio called uh, Music Mutato, Mutato Music, something along mm-hmm. those lines. And he's, it's shocking, dude. He's, everywhere like after devo he became a film tv composer and he's done right, yeah so much he did the rugrats yeah uh, that's the famous right. rugrats theme song yeah was it rocket power do you remember that show rocket power oh yeah uh he did video yeah. games he did the soundtracks for jack and daxter huh. crash bandicoot holy crap the sims 2 that was uh mark mothersbow uh <laughs> movies like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the Lego movie, almost every single Wes Anderson film, 21 and 22 Jump Street, fucking Thor Ragnarok. Like, he's everywhere. It's shocking how much much his musical touch has, has like, hit the lives of everybody, and people Mm -hmm. don't even notice it. Damn. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Um... So before we end, what would you say? So you said, uh, let's just go uh, favorite song and best song from the album. Okay. Uh, favorite song. I would probably have to say, <laughs> you know what? As much as it like, as much as it borrowed its way into my consciousness and never left and <laughs> gave me endless hours of annoyance, I would have to say Speed Racer just for the, just for being its own unique entity like i there is no other song like it that i have heard either on this album or in my history of listening to music (laughs) and it's just so strange and absurd and just all over the place that uh yeah i have i have to give it the top spot (laughs) your favorite for my favorite yeah uh best song Best song I'd probably say is Patterns. Right. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons that I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this one's a bit of a tough one for me because favorite, I love like a vast majority of these songs. Yeah. And it's so, I'm just looking at them now and I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know which one to pick as my favorite. Um, I'm, you know, okay. Uh, if I'm going to go pre- based on pure emotion alone, I'm going to say out of sync is my favorite. Mm. Like every time I, I listen to it. It just, it just gets me. Like, I love it. Like it just, the, the feelings I feel, the, just, just the way the music uh, supports the theme and like how it, Oh, it's just like from the, uh, the transition from verse to court. It's just so great. I, mm-hmm. so I absolutely love it. And best I'm saying I desire uh, just yeah. because of how well they captured the creepiness and the obsessive nature of it. Just, like both like, you can remove the lyrics and you would still get the feeling from the music itself. Mm. And yeah, I just think it's such a brilliant, like they just, they like, they were, it was just so brilliant what they were able to do with that song. Mm. 
Uh, and for anyone listening out there, further uh, some suggestions or some further listening. Obviously, so this was their fifth album in the discography. Uh, this was, I would say, the like the peak of like they they like from their first album to this, they peaked. Uh, and after that, it's kind of wishy washy. But uh, further listening recommendations, obviously, freedom of choice and their debut album, Are We Not Men? We Are Devo. New Traditionalist is great. Um, and Something for Everybody, which is their 2010 album, is also fantastic. Uh, yeah. And for those who really want to dive deep, uh, dive deep, wow, dive deep. <laughs> um, oh, no, uh, Duty, Duty Now for the Future, their second album, is a fan favorite. So that's the favorite of, like, the hardcore fans. And if you really want to dive deep, uh, their hardcore Devo albums, which was music they created from before their first album. So all like their basement tapes from 1974 to 1978 um, is such a trip. It doesn't sound like the Devo, you know, it's dirty and raw and grungy and just, oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's the, it's basically Devo at its rawest form. So definitely check that out. And that's it. Uh, Vishesh, I believe you're picking our next one. And this is exciting because this is the yes. first time that I have no idea what you're going to pick because <laughs> you yeah. know ahead of time. But this time I'm in the dark. So I'm 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 waiting with anticipation. Well, I'm excited. OK, well, we have done so far. I've done one movie yes. and one book. Yes. And you've done one movie and one book. Uh, no, no, you've done. No. Wait, <laughs> I didn't do a book yet. <laughs> you've done two. Oh, wait, two two movies, I think. No? no, I did one movie. This is our fourth episode, so one movie, one uh, album. <laughs> are you Are you okay, Vishesh? Yes, I. I yeah. Wow. Sorry, my brain is melting. <laughs> trying to remember everything we've done. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, the next. All this to say, and trying to follow something of a pattern that yeah. we have set for ourselves. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> patterns all around us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I am going to pick an album. Ooh. Uh, first album that I've chosen, and it is a Tom Waits album. Of course. Specifically, uh, the album where uh, I really think he came into his own and found his own unique sound and his own unique voice. That album is his 1983 album, Swordfish Trombones. Nice. Okay, I'm excited. I yeah. Um, I've listened to a little bit of Tom Waits. Like I'm, I'm aware of Tom Waits. Uh, I, uh, so I'm excited. I've been wanting to check that one out. So this is going to be yeah. great. This is great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I, I mean, obviously I was going to expect like the two, uh, two musicians, Tom Waits and Cabaret Voltaire. I feel yeah. like no, not, yeah. no, not Cabaret Voltaire, just Voltaire. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> two just different Voltaire. bands. Yeah. I know. Uh, it's Aurelio two... Voltaire as he was no, he calls himself in his later albums, but yeah, he's yeah. uh He'll definitely make an appearance too. Don't you yeah, worry. <laughs> for sure. Okay. So Swordfisher, I'm excited for that. Uh, so until next time, everybody, this is Bosco. And I'm Vishesh. And uh, duty now, spuds. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Speed racer and I drive real fast. Speed racer and I drive real fast. <laughs>